Hey, y'all. You're listening to Damsels in Detroit, the podcast all about women from the city that are killing it in their industries. I'm your host, Evan Webb. Each week, I invite a damsel to come on and talk with me about their life, careers, and why Detroit girls do it better. Hey, y'all. We're back with another episode of Damsels in Detroit. This is episode 71. And today we're going to be talking about natural hair. I feel like this conversation can never be had enough. There's so many things to learn. There's so many new things to talk about. So I'm excited to introduce you guys to my next guest, who is Gwen Jameer. Um, So, of course, as you all know, I'm going to read her bio and then we're getting right into our questions. Gwen Jameer is the founder of Naturalicious and Good Hair Bar. In 2013, after having recently been laid off from her job, Gwen took her hobby of creating natural hair care products and grew it into a thriving multi-million dollar business. Today, Gwen is expanding her empire, now include the Good Hair Bar, a new natural hair salon concept that helps every woman to feel that she is the standard of beauty. Hello. Hi. How's it going? It's going great. I'm super excited to be here with you today. Thank you for allowing me to be on your podcast and chat with you and talk to your audience. Yeah. So I've been following you on social for a very, very long time. Um, I used to intern for an organization called YAB, Young, Ambitious and Beautiful. And one of the founders was always shouting you out. And so just to see your journey from beginning to now has been Lovely, lovely to see. So, what a full circle moment! I know. <laughs> I love the YAB ladies. Yes. Um. So, as I mentioned in your bio, let's go back to 2013. 2013. Just got laid off from your corporate job. Um. You kind of had to figure something out because you had a little baby. You were going through some personal things, and it's like I have to make something shake. So, talk to me about that moment where it was just like I need to turn this hobby into. A business like we got to make some money yeah um so it's pretty much everything that you said I was really interested in natural hair at that time I mean I still am but at the time I was just kind of getting into it and that was a new thing for me because I was never the girly girl if you will like I wasn't into my hair I wasn't into makeup I was very much a tomboy um and so for me to have come into this space of my life where I was like very into figuring out my hair was much, was very, very different for me. And I really wasn't interested in it at the beginning of it necessarily for the style and the look, it was more for the health and the safety of it. Mm -hmm. So I always like to say that this like new-ish natural hair wave started about 10 or 11 years ago. Mm -hmm. And that's when you had the YouTubers who were, they weren't even really calling themselves YouTubers. They were just girls online who were doing their hair and they were trying to provide some sort of help to everyone else who was trying to go natural, right? And so they were posting what was going well for them. And so I got really interested in this because I had just seen Chris Rock's documentary slash movie, Good Hair. And in it, there's this this one part that really stuck with me where he takes a soda can and he he puts it into a tub of hair relaxer Mm -hmm. and the can disintegrates within... 45 minutes or so. And it just freaked me out in all the worst ways. Cause I was pregnant with my son at the time. And I just kept thinking like, okay, if our skin is porous and most things we put onto our skin can go into our body. What is this chemical I've been putting on my hair since I'm in the, I was in the third grade. What is that going to do to my child? You know, my unborn baby. And for that reason, I immediately started trying to research different products that would still make my hair. Not let me back up a little bit. 
even though I was a tomboy, I still wanted my hair to look good, right? Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so let's not get that confused. So it was like, what can I find that's going to make my hair look good, but also not be full of toxins and bad, horrible chemicals? And this was in the days before you could go to Target and get any hair product. This is before everybody and their mother had a natural hair care line, right? It was like Carol's daughter and Shea Moisture was brand new. Like Shea Moisture was so new. It wasn't even in the packaging we know now. It was like literally a label on a like Michael's craft store bottle and you had to get it at like a like a local flea market or like the African World Festival or something like that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't anything like we know it today, like this behemoth of a brand. So I didn't live in Brooklyn. So I, I there was no way I was going to be able to go get Carol's Daughter because that was really the only place you could get it mm-hmm. at that time. And that sounds like it was so long ago, yeah. but it was only like a decade ago, you know. Um, and so that left me to try and figure it out on my own. So I started going to the healthy food stores like Whole Foods. And I would try and find products that caught themselves healthy and natural. And they were healthy and natural, but they didn't do a thing for my hair. And so it was like, all right, I've got to figure this out on my own. And that's when I started researching and concocting and experimenting myself in my kitchen. Um, And then shortly after I figured out some sort of regimen for myself, my son was born. Mm-hmm. And I realized very, very quickly that my time was no longer mine. My yeah. time was his time. And so it was like, okay, he wasn't one of those babies that napped for hours at a time. He was a cat napper. So I had to figure out, okay, well, how do I go from, you know, how do I get this, this amazing look with my hair that I'm spending six, like four to six hours yeah. to achieve, but how do I get it in 30 to 60 minutes? Right. Mm -hmm. And so that led me back into the kitchen to try and reformulate some stuff. And I came across this ingredient that um, my mother kind of um, led me to called Rasul clay. And Rasul clay is this like magical God given earthly ingredient that is only found in Morocco. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a clay based product. And what it does, it it naturally um, adds moisture to the hair and the skin while also removing all the bad stuff. Whereas a lot of clays, they they remove all the bad stuff and all the good stuff. But this okay. particular clay adds the good stuff and takes away the bad stuff. And for me, it was literally like the gates of heaven had opened when I combined that ingredient with all the other things I had already created. And that was really the kickoff and the catalyst for what we know today as naturalicious products. Um, but even then it wasn't designed to be a, a product. Like it wasn't going to be a brand. This was something for me and me alone. And that was it. But I started learning that so many of my friends and friends of friends yeah. were having similar challenges where they were trying to figure out something for their hair that was healthy and natural that didn't cause them to take all day. And I started just kind of giving it away. And then fast forward about 18 months from then, I found myself going through like a a divorce um, from my son's dad. I was suddenly thrust into single motherhood, which I, you know, had not signed up for, was not planning for. Um, And it was like, okay, this sucks. But then on top of that, I got um, laid off from my job and I was the global digital communications director at Ford. So I had a nice cushy six-figure job. Okay. But here I was. <laughs> here, here I was going through a divorce, single motherhood, no second income. My family doesn't live in the state. And I had literally no money. And it was like, all right, Gwen, you can either cry in the corner or you can take this hobby that you basically already have 
you know, proven um, in the market that people want this and people are willing to buy for it, you can turn that into an actual business. Mm -hmm. And that's how Naturalicious actually became a business because it had to, I had to feed my son, essentially. Um, And that was nine years ago when we started. That is so, wow. What a story because as also someone who understands like how tumultuous a layoff can be, it's like you, people always say like, you need to prepare for the worst. But when you have comfort in like somewhere that you're working in that you're, you just don't expect for that to happen. And especially no. jobs like communications jobs, because everybody needs marketing and communications. And so you're like, I'm safe. Right. Okay. Exactly. I thought I was like, oh, everybody else is getting, getting the can. I was like, not right. me. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> but they yeah. were like, no, sis, <laughs> you can get to. so if you look on your site or if anybody looks on your site you have a ton of products so what is your process like now when it comes to like kind of research and development I'm sure you're not in your kitchen mixing things (laughs) by yourself anymore so how has that process changed for you uh so yeah you're right in the beginning it was me in the kitchen figuring out what I needed and therefore the consumer would need um the nice thing about it is that I am very much my customer. Mm-hmm. I am the target. Um, <laughs> I'm the age range. I'm the demographic, psychographic. I am the consumer. And so um, most of the time, if I find that there's something lacking in the market that I find that I need, I'll actually go to our community. So luckily for us, I've built a really strong community, which we call the Naturalicious Nation. Um, and so we'll go to them and it's 30,000 strong. Um, and we'll ask them, you know, Hey, I'm thinking about creating a, let's say skincare line. Mm -hmm. What are your skincare challenges? And we'll just poll them. I think a lot of people who own businesses are afraid to ask their, their customers for things because I think maybe they think it makes them seem like they don't know what they're doing. Right. But, um, you know, the only, the only way to know truly what they want is just to ask, mm-hmm. you know, and they, they actually enjoy being part of the product development process because they're like, yeah, I said that I wanted this and, oh, they went and created that. And then they love to see the brand take their feedback into consideration. It makes them feel um, like a part of something. Like they, they, they had a hand in something yeah. um, that they don't, they usually don't get to be a part of. And so um, for me, it's usually about finding the holes in the market. Like what is, what is not what what do we not have right mm-hmm. um and that's actually how good hair bar kind of came to be as well it's like what do we not have right um when it comes to products specifically you know i'm like very jaded <laughs> by a lot of the quote unquote natural industry there's very little innovation these days yeah. um there used to be but nowadays like everybody has everything right so you'll find um, one brand alone, like one one individual brand, not naming any particular brands, but one brand may have 15 different leave-in conditioners. And it's like, well, a leave-in conditioner does one thing, right? Mm-hmm. It smooths the hair follicle down. It helps it to reflect light. It is not a moisturizer. Um, we could get into that as a whole nother podcast episode. Yeah, but, yeah that was going to say, but, we don't have to do a part two. <laughs> but nevertheless, it's like they'll have all these different um, leave-in conditioners with different labeling on the front. But when you look at the ingredient list on the back, it's pretty much the same. They may have changed one or two like mm-hmm. inconsequential ingredients and maybe changed the fragrance and named it something different, put it in a different color packaging. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's so frustrating to me because that is why specifically Black women are still 
10 years into this, again, new natural hair, um, you know, journey or Mm -hmm. phase, they're still confused and frustrated by their hair because they think that nothing works because there's so many um, products available and you think that they all do something different when in fact, it's the same old product with a different label. And so for us at Naturalicious, one of our core, core, um, core values that we believe in innovation. We do not aspire to be another one of many. We aspire to create new, exciting, transformative products and services and offerings that enhance the lives of our customers. Mm -hmm. And so if it's not going to be innovative, we're not going to do it. Um, So when it came to our skincare line, we had done hair for so long. Um, A few years ago, we started working on skincare. And for me, again, it had to be something that was time-saving, something that was transformative and was going to give you a significant um, change in your skin, not just make your skin pretty for the moment, but actually literally change your skin for you. And so we came up with our flawless canvas line and the flagship product in that line, just like the rest of our products are is multitasking. So it's a cleanser is also a exfoliator. It's also a blemish remover. Um, and so if you have a breakout, you can put that same product that you would use to cleanse your face and exfoliate your face. You can put that same product right on the, the breakout. Okay. Um, and it will actually dry the breakout up without leaving you any dark marks. Okay. So that's what I mean. Like it has to be something like that. So, you know, we have our R and D team, um, and we work with them to, you know, we'll go with it, go to them with the vision and then we'll work with them until we come up with the right, um, products that our customers like, and then we'll do test marketing. We'll let our same naturalicious nation customers try it out. And once they've given us a thumbs up, then we'll go to market with it. Yeah. I love that because, um, I know from experience with some e-commerce brands, like customers will tell you like, this is what I need. This is what my issue is. This is what I want. And then you'll see leadership make these decisions that are completely opposite. And it's like, do you yeah. want to retain the customers or like, is this just yeah. like one person show? So I love that you're taking yeah. that feedback and actually doing something with it. So thank you. Love that. Um, so you have products in Whole Foods and yes. Beauty and Ulta. And I know that getting into Whole Foods is hard <laughs> because there's so many rules about like, what kind of ingredients you can have and all of this stuff. Yeah. But I think just going from e-commerce to having your products in a physical store is just challenging, period. So what advice would you give to those that are kind of in a similar position to maybe how you were when you first started and you're like, okay, I want to branch off, but like, what do I do? Oh, we could have a whole 45 minute conversation <laughs> about retail. Um, the first thing I would tell them is forget or try to forget the vanity of being able to say I'm in such and such store, right? Um, Because it's very cool to say I'm in Ulta and I'm in mm-hmm. Sally Beauty and I'm in Whole Foods, which we, which Naturalicious is in all three of those stores. Mm-hmm. And it sounds very good, right? Especially when it comes to a Black-owned beauty brand. Because a lot of times when you say, oh, I own a hair care brand, they're like, oh, that's cute. You're like, no, this is a whole real business. Right. You know, and so, so it helps to validate your brand, right? That's really what it's for. Um, understand that being in retail is really about discovery. It's about people discovering you at a place where they frequent that they probably wouldn't discover you otherwise. So if we were only online, we would miss out on a number of consumers who would have discovered our brand had we been in a Ulta or, a, or a Whole Foods or Sally Beauty, right? But you have to understand that retail should not be your bread and butter as a small brand. Um, and I'm talking as a small brand particularly Black-owned brand, 
or really any race owned brand, it shouldn't be your bread and butter. It should be supplementary. You should not be reliant upon retail. And this is for a number of reasons. One, if we think about the pandemic, when the pandemic happened, um, stores were closed. Right. They were not open. You could not go to a store and buy anything. That also meant that the stores weren't placing orders. That also meant that if the store owed you money, they were not paying it. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So we had outstanding invoices of over six figures from retail stores that we weren't getting paid on because they impl- they all implemented a clause that basically was like, hey, we're not making money. We can't pay you. Wow. So you don't have to wait. Right now for us, it wasn't um, it wasn't a terrible thing. I mean, of course, we wanted to get paid, yeah. but it wasn't a terrible thing because the majority of our sales were online. And that has it has always been that way. It has been very intentional to be that way. But a lot of times when brands get into stores, they they drive everybody to the to those stores. But one, you're making way less money in retail because in retail, they're making you're making at most 60 percent of the retail costs. Usually you're making 50 percent of the retail costs. And that doesn't include all the other things that all the other fees that they hit you with. They hit you with marketing. Anytime you see an ad or you see a sale going on at a store where it's like buy one, get one half off. The store is not eating that cost. The brand is eating that cost. So think about this. If you were to sell your product to a store for 50 percent of mm-hmm. the of the retail cost, right? So let's say just for round numbers, the cost was $10. You sell it to them for $5, right? Mm-hmm. And then they do a 50% off sale and you participate in that. Now you do have to sign off on it, but okay. if you don't, okay. it's kind of like you have to pay to play, right? If you don't do the sale, then it doesn't, it's frowned upon. And then they're like, you're on the chopping block, right? So let's say you sold that product to them for $5. They do mm-hmm. a 50% off sale. They're going to sell that product. And now- you have to recoup that 50%. That 50% was the $5 that you got paid. So you basically gave them product for free, right? And that's how it goes. And so again, you have to be able to, you have to be able to weather that, right? That might be a good thing if you're using it for discovery. You have to manage your expectations. Mm -hmm. So if you're using it for discovery and you want people to discover your brand, maybe in your box or on your packaging, you have your website, you try to drive them back to your website so that they can buy from you directly so you're making more money. But if your sole focus is on retail, it's it's like having a ton of followers on Instagram and being broke, right? It's like, it doesn't really matter. So that's what I would tell people um, who are starting companies or have aspirations of getting into retail stores and big box, big box retail stores is to make sure that your expectations are managed and that you are fully aware of the purpose of being in whatever store you're trying to be in. Mm -hmm. That's great advice. I didn't even think about that. That's yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, most people don't. And so, you know, when we are, when, when our retail, and we love our retail partners, like mm-hmm. no shade to them, like they're great. But again, it's like, yeah, it's not definitely, definitely make more money yeah. online. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. the other thing with retail too, is that you, you have no control over your customer data. You don't know who's buying from you. If you bought from me today at Ulta, I would have no idea that you did that. Right. And so when you buy online from us, I can remarket to you. I can build a relationship with you. Um, I can see what you've purchased. So I can actually suggest things that may go well with your other purchases. I have no control over that in the retail space. Retail stores do not give that to the brands. So you're just shooting in the dark in retail, hoping that, you know, you're going to hit the target. And sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. But again, we make sure that we're using it for for discovery. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those purchase orders are amazing. (laughs) And sometimes they're kind of small, but either way, 
you know, we're very aware of why we're, why we're in those stores. Okay. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. So you've grown your team from just you to now you have 13 and you're headquartered here in Detroit. So how did you decide, like, when you got to the point where you could hire, what was that first position you hired for? And then how did you like strategically decide what else you needed help with? Um, I took a page from Sarah Blakely's book, who is the founder of Spanx. And mm -hmm. she always said, hire the thing that you hate to do. The, the whoever you hate to do the most, hire that first. Okay. Um, because that's usually something that has to get done and you just don't want to do it. So mm -hmm. for me, it was... Um, I actually enjoyed making products in the beginning. It's fun concocting things. But after a while, when you've got lots of orders coming in and you've got to get them out within a certain period of time, that like the fun goes away. It's not fun anymore. <laughs> and so the first people I hired were people to actually produce our products and manufacture our products. Um, and so we found a warehouse in Detroit, hired people. My initial first hires were actually special needs workers. Um, which I was very proud of because, you know, they oftentimes are denied jobs because of their um, different abilities and they were able to work for us where they may not have been able to find a living wage or yeah. either if they are able to be um, employed, they're often paid like peanuts, you know, because they're like, oh, well, they're not going to know the difference. So mm -hmm. we were able to pay them um, an actual living wage. So that was really, really great. Um, loved working with them. Um and so that was the first people that I hired for Naturalicious. Um, after that, I hired a operations manager um, to kind of oversee production and oversee logistics and things like that. Um, and then I hired customer service. Customer service, um, yeah, that had to get outsourced, not outsourced, but that had to get offloaded very quickly because you can spend your entire day just dealing with customer service inquiries and questions and all that sort of stuff. So those are like the probably the first three that I hired um, for Naturalicious. Now, when it came to the good hair bar, that's a whole different animal. Um, that, like it does not actually start with me. Like we had to hire, I had to hire right out the gate for that. So of course yeah. we need stylists, we need um, nail techs, we need managers. So my first hires for that were actually my managers. Okay. Um, so we have a salon manager, we have a assistant manager, we have a floor manager. And then after that, I hired my front desk workers. We actually call them hosts. Um, and then after that, I started hiring the actual techs. So the hairstylists, the nail techs, the estheticians, the mm -hmm. people who do lashes, that sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. So I do want to talk more about Good Hair Bar because a salon. That's a lot of moving pieces. Like you just said, you had to figure out, you just named probably like 10 different people yeah, <laughs> to yeah. be in there and service <laughs> others. But what inspired you to build this, this new baby? Um, a couple, well, it's a few, a few reasons. So one, um, like I mentioned earlier, I love innovation. I love finding the holes in the market and filling them. I am very much a solutions driven person. Mm -hmm. um, anyone who is close to me will know, you know, if you come to me with a complaint about something, we're going to have that one conversation about whatever your complaint is. Our second conversation has to be about solutions. What yeah. are we going to do? Yeah. Right. So um, I personally got really tired of having to drive all around the city for my different services. I had to go to Ferndale, 
for my facials. I had to go to Plymouth for my nails. I had to go to West Bloomfield for my lashes. I had to go somewhere else for, you know, hair. It was just like, I'm dri literally driving all over the state of Michigan, yeah. just trying to Look, feel good, good and have some self-care, you know, yeah. it's like, which in itself is not self-care, right? Like I'm mm -hmm. driving all around the place trying to make this happen. And I was like, why is there, why is there no one-stop elevated experience for us, right? Yeah. Like, I, can, I see it for our counterparts. Why does it not exist for us? And that was really frustrating to me. Um, another thing that was really frustrating is that, like I mentioned earlier, we're, you know, a decade into this whole natural hair movement, and we still have ladies who are frustrated and confused about their hair because they haven't give, been given the proper education. Right. I've been educating on, on natural hair for 10 years now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm out here with my drum and I'm beating the drum and I'm telling everybody about you know, what they need to do for their hair. But, you know, it's like, I, I'm only one person. Mm -hmm. um, and so I started to find that in surveying our naturalicious nation, you know, they were like, you know, I really just want somebody else to do this for me, but I want it to be natural. I want it to be healthy. Like, I, I'm not trying to get a quick weave. I'm trying to have my hair look beautiful. I want to do a wash and go. I want to do a yeah. twist out, but I would love to go to someone to do it. That does not really exist in large quantities here in Detroit. And so um, even our cu our customers all around the world, but, you know, especially specifically in cities like, you know, Detroit, Atlanta, Charlotte, Dallas, D.C., we will find these are our top five cities. We will find mm -hmm. these same sentiments over and over and over. And then the third thing that really got me is that I would keep hearing about these horrible hair salon experiences yeah. about, you know, and it, the thing is, like, when you hear them, they are ridiculous and we laugh about them. But the thing is, we can all relate to them because we've all experienced them in some capacity. <laughs> we've experienced poor customer service. Um, we've experienced the lateness, you know, where the stylist can be late, but don't you dare be late. Right. If you're late, right. then you're getting charged or your appointment's getting canceled. Right. Um, being in the salon for hours, you know, being trapped in the salon because they washed you and just sat you there and left you there uh, while they worked on somebody else. Um, people eating over your head while you, while they, you know, it's just like craziness that happens in salons. And it was like, I started to research this and I found that the, specifically the black hair salon industry has not changed at all in about 75 years. And it was like, well, why is that? Why hasn't anyone disrupted this? Why haven't they utilized technology to like make the experience better or just yeah. elevated the experience period on an even non-technological level? Um, and so that was something that I, I found that really started to, to get to me, like, we could change this. Like, we've done this already with our consumers and our customers, you know, with natural issues. We could bring that to the salon space. Like, we already know that they want to go to a salon. Mm -hmm. They told us this. We know that there's, you know, hundreds of, upon thousands of videos online about people complaining literally around the world yeah. about their yeah. experience at um, hair salons. And... We know that by and large, a natural hair salon that is full service and an elevated high-end experience does not exist almost anywhere in this country. And so it was like, hmm, this is prime for disruption. And so that was really the idea that came to me um, that said, let's let's make this happen. And so we started working on it, or I started working on it. Um, it seems like it was a long time ago, but I really just, it hasn't even been a year yeah. Um, that started working on it. And we're about to open um, on August 27th. And it's just like, wow, like here we are. It's a beautiful, gorgeous salon. Um, really, the city has never seen anything like it before. 
um, from a pure aesthetic perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and our our stylists and our, our techs, again, our nail techs, our estheticians, so everyone is trained in the Naturalicious and Good Hair Bar method. So you can't even get on the floor until you've been certified in our, in our training because one thing when it comes to us, we will travel for our hair, right? Yeah. And I just feel like Black women have our, we spend the statistics show this we spend wow. far more on our hair than any other demographic combined but we also have the crappiest service mm -hmm. we have the crappiest experiences and i'm like this is unfair like we are spending our hard on our hard earned dollars on this service that we want and yet we are given the bottom of the barrel experiences yeah and then i started thinking about the name of the salon too and it was like what can we name this that's going to resonate with our audience mm -hmm. that they also know that when they come here is a safe space. And so that's how the name good hair bar was born because I'm sure, you know, Evan, you know, good hair is a colloquialism that has been, that has had a lot of negative connotations um, for folks who don't have the quote unquote good hair mm -hmm. for generations. Um, and so it's our belief at Naturalicious and Good Hair Bar that everyone has good hair. Good hair is just simply hair that is cared for, hair that is healthy, um, and hair that you love, that gives you the confidence that you want to go out and take on the world. And so um, when it came to, you know, the name, it was like, we got to name this something that um, that our audience is that's going to really resonate with them and make them feel that confidence that we want them to have when they walk out the door. I'm so excited. This is going to be so lovely. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I mean, we got, I mean, we've, we've got waxing, facials, nails, hair, makeup, massage, mm -hmm. um, everything. We have a live DJ um, on some days. We have um, in-house snacks and food. We've got drinks. Like, we've got the whole nine. Like, it's literally, you could be there all day. We don't, you don't have to be there all day. You can just stay right. if you want to. But it's a choice. <laughs> it's, at this point, you're it's not a choice. It's not a requirement. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> And yes. I love that you have snacks because I'm thinking about all the times when I was younger being in the salon where like you could not make plans for the rest of the day. Cause it's like, I don't, I got here at 6 a.m., but I don't know when I'm leaving. Exactly. And just being in there starving. Okay. Hungry. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, it's, and then as somebody who calls like the, well, back in the day, you couldn't call DoorDash because DoorDash didn't exist. Right. But, you know, now you would call like the, the chicken chicken man who like served the dinners out of his house and mm -hmm. then they dripping the grease all through the salon, you know. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. we're going we gonna to make sure you're comfortable. We're going to make sure that you're good. We even have a semi-private VIP area mm -hmm. um, that, that can be booked as an upgrade if people want it. It's, it's really meant to be a whole entire vibe. Yeah. Oh, I love this. Um. So when people walk into the salon, what will they see? Because you're talking about the aesthetics. I have a bit, well, I've been following on Instagram, so I kind of already know. But for those mm -hmm. that might not have seen, what are yeah. a couple of things that you um, would tell them? Yeah. Well, the first thing you see when you walk into the salon is our front desk, which has this beautiful flower wall with a waterfall right in the center of it. It's, you can just hear the water. It's super calming. It's just it just kind of sets the tone for what you experience. Um, our aesthetic and our colors are very vibrant. Um, a lot of salons are kind of moody, you know, kind of like monochrome colors. Our colors are gold and purple for royalty with splashes of green in there as well um, because we're natural. Um, and so when you first walk in, you'll actually be, gre be greeted by one of our good hair hosts. Um, and she or he will, you know, 
ask you if you're, you know, if you're walking, they'll ask you your name. Um, they'll then proceed to seat you and you will be waiting for no longer than five minutes for your um, good hair guru, who is your stylist to come and get you. Um, that is one of our pillars. Like we're not going to have people sitting around all day. If your appointment is at 10 o'clock, you're seeing no later than 10.05. Your time is respected yeah. um, because you could literally go anywhere else and you chose to come to Good Hair Bar. And so it's very important that we make sure that you feel welcome and excited and, and joyful about being here. Um, once your once your, um, your good hair guru, your stylist comes and gets you, you'll go into the back of the salon and you'll see our beautiful 3D wall bar. Um, you'll be offered the snacks that we have for the day. If you choose to eat them or not, we can get, our host can grab them for you. Um, think about it really more like a... Um, Oh, like a restaurant kind of vibe, right? The host is seating you. They're mm -hmm. giving you a menu. They're asking what you would like to have. If you would like a drink, if you would like food, what have you. Um, and then your your guru would get started on your hair. And the nice thing about Good Hair Bar is that, you know, when it comes to us, we're very tied to our stylist. You know, if our stylist goes from one salon to the next, we're following that stylist. <laughs> or if our stylist, God forbid, moves out of state, now we're stuck. We don't have a stylist. But everybody at Good Hair Bar is trained the exact same way in all the services. Mm -hmm. So whether you are getting a wash and go, whether you're getting a silk out, whether you're getting braids or locks or whatever, everybody's trained in our method. So you don't have to be concerned about, oh, my stylist isn't working today or my stylist is, is it has moved away or what have you. We can still take care of you regardless because everyone is trained the same way. That is how our counterparts salons work. Our salons generally don't. And so, again, it's about making things convenient for the for the um, for the guests. Again, making them feel welcome, not feeling like they have to, like, go travel all around the city to get these services done. Um, but while you're there, you'll also be offered our other services. Because while you're there getting your hair done, maybe you're like, hey, I haven't been here all day. I could treat myself to a facial yeah. or I can get my nails done or I can get a wax. I really need my chin wax or, you know, whatever. You know, like I said, we do it all. Um, we do weddings. We do the whole thing. So, you know, if you have a event that night, we got you on the makeup. Like everything that you need is in, is in one spot. And so um, you'll be in and out. You'll know exactly how much time you're going to be there. And you can actually plan your day and not have to, you know, decide like Saturday is my hair, my, my salon yeah. day. And I'm just yeah. here from 6 a.m. to 6 at night. Mm -hmm. Now you mentioned the grand opening is August 27th. So yes. anything we need to know, you want to drop the location, any big yes. party plans? Yes, yes. So the salon's grand opening is August 27th. We are located in Livonia, right off of 275. It's literally accessible from pretty much anywhere in the city. Um, you can't miss it. It's a big old standalone building. It's 4,400 square feet. Um, and there's a big sign that says Good Hair Bar <laughs> on, the, on the door. Um, the grand opening is August 27th. The ribbon cutting will be at 1145. So the grand opening celebrations will be from 11 to 3 um 105.1 the bounce will be there we'll also have a live dj separate inside we have a black owned wine company um named love corkscrew out of chicago that will be coming in to provide the wine uh we have the food we have spin and win prizes so you could spin the wheel you can win one of five or six different prizes and we have a grand prize one lucky queen will win or king <laughs> will win um a 12 months of services from Good Hair Bar. So wow. you'll get to come into the salon once a month for 12 months and get your get your hair done for free. So one person will win that. 
So, but you got to be present to win. So you got to come on down yes. and spin the wheel and see if you win the prize. Oh my gosh. I hope it's me. I hope it is too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pulling for you, girl. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So this podcast is called Damsels in Detroit. And really, I like to ask everyone what that means for them. Like, what does it mean for you to be a damsel in Detroit? I've had people say it means for them to be resilient, for them to just show up authentically as themselves all the time. But yeah. What would you say it means for you? Um, I'm going to answer that. And I'm actually going to finish answering the last question. I forgot to drop the address. So the address to the salon is 37320 West Seven Mile Road in Livonia. Okay. So come on down 11 to 3 on Saturday, August 27th. Okay. So, oh, and the website is goodhairbar.com. Yes. That's it for the plugs. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So when it comes to being a damsel in Detroit, I'm going to say... transparency and authenticity uh, for me. I am not afraid to be transparent. Um, quite frankly, just a couple of days ago, I would literally spend half the day crying <laughs> and I'm not a crybaby. I'd never cry, but it was because like everything is happening right now for the salon, all good things. I have nothing bad to say that's happening, but it was just so much, right? It's a lot to have two companies and be a mom, right? So I have natural issues that I'm running. I have good hair bar that is a startup that requires all my attention. I'm also trying to make sure that I am um, present for my son, right? So he's 11. I want to make sure I'm, I'm present for him. Um, at the same time, I'm also trying to eat right. I'm trying to find time to work out, I'm trying to pay my bills. I'm trying to like look good in the process. And then somebody, everybody needs a, an approval. Everybody needs, you know, my sign off on something. If somebody needs me to pay them for something, you know, it's just like, I was being pulled in a million different directions. And I was just like, I just posted on Facebook, like, I'm that strong friend that needs to be checked on, <laughs> you know, like, and that was, that was the moment that I'm having. I think it's important for that because we all see this like stuff online where it's like about being a boss. And when you're a boss, you have, you know, you're like this ironclad person who has no emotion. You're just making moves all the time and everything's going right. And you're taking trips to Capri in Italy and you're just chilling on the beach and everything is great. And your family photos are real life. And, you know, no, that's not realistic. And so I think it's important to be able to say, like, I am a human being. I have emotions. I have feelings. I Even though I make this look easy, it is not easy, right? Just cause, like, just because I play this role on TV doesn't mean it's actually real life. And so for me, being a damsel in Detroit is about um, letting others know that it is okay to be human, to be transparent, um, and to still, at the same time, still be a boss amongst all that. Love. And then lastly, where can people stay connected with you, stay connected with Good Hair Bar and Naturalicious? Where do we need to follow you at? Absolutely. So you can follow us on Instagram at Good Hair Bar, actually everywhere online at Good Hair Bar. So goodhairbar.com on Instagram and Facebook at Good Hair Bar. Um, And you can book, you can pre-book actually now for August 27th and beyond. We're actually pretty much booked up for opening weekend now, but you can book beyond that um, at goodhairbar.com slash So you can download our super convenient and easy mobile app from Google Play or the App Store. Just search the App Store on Google Play or Apple um, by searching for Good Hair Bar and we will come right up. You can book right on there. Super easy, super convenient. Um, In terms of Naturalicious, you can find us at naturalicious.net. That's N-A-T-U-R-A-L-I-C-I-O-U-S 
naturalicious.net. You can find us on Instagram at naturalicious underscore beauty. And I encourage everyone to join the Naturalicious Nation because we would love to get your feedback. Like I said, it's over 30,000 ladies strong. Um, and they are in there helping each other live their best hair life ever. It's super motivating, like no BS, no drama, none of that kind of stuff that you see in some Facebook groups. Everybody is a huge community. And you can find that on Facebook by just searching for Naturalicious Nation. And um, that's that's all the places you can find us as company. If you want to find me, you can find me at Gwen Jameer on Instagram as well. But um, I'm not hard to find. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. Thank you so much. This was this is great. I like, I feel like we do need to have a part two so we can talk about hair do's and don'ts. <laughs> yes, absolutely, girl. I could talk about it forever. So many don'ts. Speaking so many. of which, I don't know if um the uh I don't know when this is gonna air, but if it airs before August 20th, mm-hmm. I encourage everyone to go to the Detroit Natural Hair Expo. I will be speaking there twice on the topic of five reasons why your hair is not growing. So we will dig deep into the do's and the don'ts that we're doing with natural hair. And it's not going to be those common things. Like you should wash your hair often, like, duh, you know, (laughs) I hate those articles where it's like, we know that, you know, but we're going to talk about the things that you're, you're doing that you probably don't realize are wrong and how that's harming your hair growth journey. And so um, at the show, we'll be doing um, complimentary um, hair consultations. Those are normally $63 at the salon. We'll be doing those for complimentary. So come on down, get your free hair consultation. We'll also be um, doing express services. So we'll be doing express manis, express massages. Um, we'll be doing express facials. So all the spa services. We'll have the spin and win there too. So you can also be entered to win the grand prize of getting um, 12 months worth of services at the salon for free. So come on down and we'd love to see you. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Gwen. And as always, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Um, Always remember that Detroit girls do it better. Always. Always. Okay, there's no doubt about it. (laughs) (laughs) And we will be back next week. And make sure you guys save the date, August 27th, okay? Be at the Good Hair Bar. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Of course.